Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. We have a guest this morning, a guest speaker. I was going to announce him, but Pastor Evan has already just announced him, and it's okay. It is okay. About two or three weeks ago, uh, Mr. Jack was already scheduled to preach, and with us needing to shut down temporarily again because of illnesses in the church and the ability not to do music or preach, and I was down, and Sherry was quarantined, and, and uh, so we actually decided that he wasn't going to preach at the end of November. But I felt a, a prompting that it's time to allow him to speak, and uh, he's been preparing now for a while. So would you warmly welcome Columbus First Assembly family, and those of you at home, if you want to give applause too, would you warmly welcome our children's ministry director, Mr. Jack, as he comes to bring us the word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. Okay, who is ready for 2020 to be over? Okay, well, I got news for everybody that what changes on January 1st? Uh, the year, the date, and the month. That's it. That's all that changes, sorry. Uh, I can't change that. That's how it is all the time. I wanted to thank Pastor Rick. He didn't know I was going to do this, but I want to do it. Every once in a while, God just plops something inside of me, and I, I wrestle with it and wrestle with it, and then I'll go to him and go, I've got this message, and it's just not for the kids. And then he lets me preach it. And I so appreciate that. Uh, the pressure's going to be on now, because I actually have two more messages that plopped in me, but... Yeah, maybe in the next two years, we'll, we'll get that taken care of. And the cool thing is I get to percolate on these for quite a while. So this actually was going to be done in August, and then November, and then January, and now now. So it's a good thing I've been working on this for most of the year. This had better be a really good message. Oh, the pressure's on. <sighs> You guys are witnessing a first. I am in here, and the children are downstairs. In all my years of children's ministry, that's never happened before. And I'm actually really okay with it. Because I really feel like I've got such a great team downstairs ministering to the children that it's all going to be okay. And this is something that's been on my heart I need to share. So what's going to happen this morning is the first part of the message is going to be uh, about the character of God, who God is. And then the second part is going to be a contradiction that just seems to just scream from the Bible 
And then the third part is going to be how the character of God has always resolved that contradiction because it's not a contradiction. It only seems like one to us because we read it outside of the context of the character of God. And when we see the beautiful, and it is literally beautiful, the way God makes this not a contradiction, and then at the very end of the message, I am going to do something that Pastor Rick asked me to do a while ago, and that is to do a demonstration. I won't tell you what it is, but it's a demonstration I do with the children. And he says, why don't you do it up here? And I go, well, it's only for children. He goes, maybe it isn't only for children. So we're going to do that. And Pastor Evan is sitting there already, aren't you? He is already. Okay. So there we go. The name of this message is Truth Matters. John Adams. You guys know who John Adams is? He was the second president of the United States. And do you know how John Adams became famous? I didn't. I thought, you know, he just ended up in the history books because, well, he was John Adams. And his, uh, ne his cousin had a beer named after him. So, uh, yeah, someone got it. But Samuel Adams actually was the, actually the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, that Samuel Adams actually was the more Christian of the two of them, and it's kind of ironic that the beer is named after him and not John Adams, because John's probably the one who would be more likely to want a beer named after him and not Samuel Adams, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. He made a name for himself by defending the British soldiers who shot the citizens at the Boston Massacre. Can you imagine that? Here we are in Massachusetts, and they come to John, and they go, John, no one will defend these people. They're guilty. And John said he'll take the case. It, of course, ruined his law practice. But during that case, in his final arguments, he made a statement. And that statement is, Facts are stubborn things. And for those of you who don't know, he actually got them acquitted. Facts are stubborn things. We're going to talk a little bit about me right now, which I know, girls, that's going to be real exciting. But um, it is what it is. Facts mattered to me so much that I ran over people because I was right and they were wrong. And so I came up with a motto as I grew in, in my faith in the Lord that was, it's better to be loving than it is to be right. That's so contrary to my personality. I have a degree in mathematics. It's either right or it's wrong. I spent years dealing with it's either right or it's wrong. Oh, and by the way, I'm the one who's right most of the time. But guess what? God was like, that's no way to deal with people. 
Jack, it's better to be loving than it is to be right. So, 1 Corinthians 13. I know you all know it, but we're going to put it up there anyway. And I'm going to read it. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it is not easily angered. Remember that one, Jack. It keeps no record of wrongs, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You see in that, well, the picture is not up there anymore, but the picture that showed justice with the balance. Us human beings have such a hard time being balanced. This is what human beings tend to do, and I'll give you an example. In me, human beings tend to go from one extreme to the other. Jack, you're running over all over people. Well, God wants me to fix that, so I'm going to let people run all over me. That's not a good solution. This verse says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It rejoices in truth. Truth matters. And I think my motto, it's better to be loving than right, has served me well. Many times I've been in meetings with people or talking to people, and that will go into my head and say, Jack, it's better to be loving than it is to be right. But you know what the ultimate goal is? To be loving and right. Not just to be loving, but to be loving in truth. Not to give up truth for the sake of being loving. So I was going to go in many different directions as God had put this on my heart. I was moved by some falsehoods I was seeing in, in the church of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Facts are a stubborn thing. But that was going to be a six-hour message. And, you know, this isn't 1865. And 1860, you know why I mentioned that? Because in the, in the presidential debates, when Lincoln and, and uh, uh, what's his name, were debating, uh, he was, he's so famous, I can't even remember his name. Uh, they, they, I, Lincoln spoke for three hours. And then the other guy would come up and speak for three more hours and everyone stood there and listened. In this society, that won't cut it. So I had to cut it down to one small chunk and only take on one point. So 
we're going to look at a series of verses that seem to be contradictory or confusing at best. Verses that can lead people to embrace false doctrine. First, before we do that, I want to look at the character of God. Who is God? Because understanding who God is is very important in understanding how we read the Word of God. So, Isaiah, I'm going to run through these. These aren't going to pop up here. This is, uh, you know, there's two sides of the jack. There's the jack over here that's really creative and kind of crazy. And then there's the jack over here that is so analytical you want to shoot him. You're getting more of the jack over here today. Uh, Isaiah 6, 3 through 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is holy. In fact, he is so holy that if, what, what did uh, Isaiah do? He fell as if dead, being in the presence. If we're in the presence of God, we fall because we can't stand to be in the presence of his holiness. Psalms 89:14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So not only is God holy, he is righteous. He is just and he is faithful. Wow, am I glad he's all of those things. I'm especially glad he's faithful. You know, we have a question that we teach the children downstairs. How we, how we do downstairs is, is every month we have questions and answers, which all have theological meaning. But we have one that says, what's the greatest thing ever? It's that this big, amazing God loves me. And then there's another one that says, this God Love you when you sin. And, you know, there's nothing we can do to undo God's love. Wow, I'm so glad he's faithful. Let's go to 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. If we want to know what love is, we look to God to see it, because he is love. Now here's one, Romans 12, 9, one of the more popular verses in the Bible. Um, people put it on their doorpost. They, they put it on their foreheads. They memorize it. I'm being sarcastic. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is not mine. Wrath is not mine. It belongs to God. And wait a minute. God is love. God is righteous. God is just. God is faithful. God is holy. So his wrath and vengeance are going to be what? Perfect. Perfect. He'll do it exactly when it needs to be done. Not, not at the wrong time, not out of anger, for no other reason, because he is perfect, and he is love. Then we're going to go to Ephesians 1, 7 and 2, 8. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God. So God is grace. I thank God that he is grace. I can tell you I would not be here, I would not be teaching children if it wasn't for his grace. You ever think about this? Maybe because my analytical side draws that in, goes, she's God. All you have to work with is us. And you know what? He does it. He changes lives. He changes hearts. He changes people through us, the instruments of his love and grace. That's, un, that's mind-numbing. So, I've got now a slide that shows a prep representation of God. Kind of like us. Here we go. God is justness and forgiveness and grace and love and holy. Wait a minute. That pie chart looks more like us. Some days I'm more grace than I am love. Some days I have more justice than I do grace. Some days... Well, my holy part would be, like, really small. Um, I wish my grace part was that big. That would be awesome. That is a picture of a fractured individual, isn't it? And that's who we are. We're fractured. We're broken. That representation is not a representation of God. It's a representation of us. And it changes. I don't know about you, but for me, it changes every day. God does not switch love off and on. God does not switch justice off and on. God does not switch grace off and on. God does not switch forgiveness off and on. Here's a representation of God. Every single aspect of God is perfect and complete. It's not one circle, it's many circles. And each circle is a complete picture of what that is. It's a complete picture of love. It's a complete picture of justice. It's a complete picture of grace. I'm really glad that that, I started to point up there, but it's actually back there for you and up there for me. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that's God. Because none of us would be here if that wasn't him. So now, now we're going to go to Exodus 34-7, now that we've covered the character of God, and look at the contradiction. Here it is. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. What? He punishes the children, their children, for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. What? 
is that even possible? He punishes wickedness. He punishes the guilty, which is all of us. But it maintains love and forgiveness for thousands. My head about explodes when I read that. How can God forgive the guilty and punish the guilty all in the same breath and at the same time and in the same verse? Can you see where that could lead to some bad theology? Let's go. There's more. We're not done. Proverbs 17, 15. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent... The Lord detests them both. So God detests himself because God acquits the guilty and he doesn't condemn the innocent. He acquits the guilty. What? Now my head's really going to explode. Didn't we just read in Exodus that he forgives the weakness and rebellion? Hmm. So let's go to Romans 4, 7 through 8. Got it up there? Good. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Amen for that. The Lord detests, according to Proverbs, someone who acquits the guilty and condemns the innocent. Does God detest himself? What do we call a judge? who lets a guilty person go. Well, lots of names, and we don't want to hear them. Um, we call them an unjust judge. What do we call a judge who lets a guilt, an innocent person go to jail and serve time when the judge knows they're innocent? We call that an unjust judge. I don't know if God's ever done that, but God definitely says in his word that he lets the guilty go free. He forgives them. Oops, I turned it the wrong way. I should have numbered these pages. So, what have we done with these Bible verses? Think about it. We've taken them out of context. We've pulled a verse from here. We've pulled a verse from there. We're pulling verses from all over the place. Because that's what people do who want to prove the Bible's false. They pull them from all over the place. And I just did the same thing. Now we can go to Exodus, and Exodus is self-contradictory within itself. But is it? 
these who wrote these verses? God. And remember the picture of God. He's perfect in love. He's perfect in grace. He's perfect in forgiveness. He is complete in all of these. He is not us. He is not fractured. He is not broken. His little pie chart isn't all messed up. His is perfect. So what does a judge, a perfect righteous judge, require when someone breaks the law? He requires that the crime be paid for. That's what he requires. And guess what? God is a perfect judge. And he requires that the crime be paid for. Now, can that judge show mercy after the crime has been paid for? Yes, he can. Is that a contradiction to show mercy and justice all at the same time? The crime has been paid for, the judge made sure it was paid for, and then can extend mercy afterwards? So for us, what is the crime that must be paid for? Sin, rebellion, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are none perfect, no, not one. You're starting to see how beautiful this picture is? A righteous, perfect judge. These verses aren't contradictory. What is the punishment for sin? Death. For the wages of sin is death. So God, who is perfect in grace, perfect, perfect in forgiveness, perfect in justice, who hates the unjust, he's also righteous and holy. So this judge needs the crime to be paid for. Sorry, I get so emotional about this. It must be paid for with death. So in perfect love, perfect grace, perfect forgiveness, perfect justice, God sent his son Jesus to pay the price our sin. God is not contradictory. These verses are not contradictory. No, this is a beautiful picture of the perfection of God's perfect love and grace and perfect justice. The requirement of the law has been met. Death has answered and paid for our sins. The requirement of the law has been met. And it is grace and mercy. Jesus died, rose again from the dead, and conquered death in the grave. Not contradictory at all, but absolutely beautiful. Now, I'm, I'm going to have to do something because I can't have the mic while I do this. Um, so can I try to turn this back on? No. I'm going to get one-handed. We're going to do this one-handed.
So facts are stubborn things. So God's grace is perfect. His love is perfect. Is this for me? that is what we do to Jesus' heart every time we reject his free gift. He gives us that free gift and so many people reject it. But the cool thing about God, he never stops giving it. He gives it gives it and gives it until you finally take it. And the angels in heaven rejoice when you finally take this gift. You know, I tell the children, who takes a Christmas present or a birthday present and throws it away? and don't open it. We all open our gifts. So let's bow your heads. If you have not accepted this gift, today, the perfect judge, the judge with perfect grace, love, and forgiveness, all you have to do is say, Lord, I am guilty of death. You paid for my death. You paid the price for my sin on the cross with your death. And you rose again and conquered that death. And I accept this gift. I don't kick it away this day. I don't kick it away today. Jesus' name. Amen. If you did that online or in here, I'm going to let Pat just come on up and, and we have our prayer team here. We can just, just come on up. His gift is here. And I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Rick because. I actually need to go downstairs now. Thank you, Jack. Well illustrated how well how God meets the just requirements of his law by Jesus, God himself, taking our punishment. But as Jack said, the wages of sin is death. But he stopped there. He demonstrated it, but he stopped with those words. But the free gift of God is eternal life. All of us earned a death sentence because we sinned. All of us. Most of us 
have received the gift. But this morning, if you have not yet personally received the gift, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Your sin punishment has already been paid for, but you have to receive that gift. For the wages of sin are death, but the free gift is the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's a gift of grace. At home, in the sanctuary, I'm going to pray a quick prayer. The team's going to lead us in a song, and then I'm going to come back. Lord, if there are those today who have not yet received the free gift, I pray that your Holy Spirit would become very heavy upon them whether they're at home or here sitting in person. And I pray that you would make them very uncomfortable because they have not yet received the gift because you desire them to, so that in just a moment they can receive that gift. Do that in the next few moments, Lord Jesus. Remain seated. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.